Welcome to Follow Your Fire, a podcast on life, work, and purpose. Join us as we reckon with the questions, what should I do with my life? Do I have a purpose? And if so, how the heck do I figure it out? We'll hear some real stories, get some real ideas about how to find purpose, and have as much fun as we can along the way. I'm Melissa Pinnell, life coach, purpose guide, and your host on this journey. I am so glad to have you along. Growing up, did you always think that if something was really right for you, you would just know? You know, like you'd have really certain answers to questions like, should I live here or should I live there? Should I be with this person or that person? Should I take this job or that one? I mean, some decisions are really clear, right? Most of us have felt that really undeniable certainty of yes, this is something that I want, or no, this is a really bad idea. By the way, I just have to stop and give you guys my example of this. When I was in my early 20s, I was driving around with a friend and I think I had just read some Jack Kerouac or something. And anyway, we see a hitchhiker on the side of the road. And of course, like your parents, my mom was like, don't ever pick up a hitchhiker. That's how somebody gets murdered. But that day I was like, let's pick this person up. Let's have an adventure. We'll have a really great story. I'm sure it's a really interesting person. So we were like, yeah, let's do this. So we slow down. We creep up, and the closer we get, the more we realize, wow, this was a really bad idea. By the time I'm actually pulled up next to this person, I just have this really guttural reaction of this is a terrible idea. Do not let this person into your car. Go away right now. But I'd already pulled over, right? So we rolled down the window a crack, and I was just trying to think fast, and I say, hey, So we're totally gonna come give you a ride, but first I have to go drop my friend off, gesturing to the person in my front seat. And I was like, so let me go drop this person off and I'll come right back. And this guy that we were thinking of picking up is like, you're not gonna come back. And he starts getting mad immediately, which only reinforces that I should not let this person in my car. And so we didn't go back, we drove away. That was 15 years ago, he's still there. (laughs) Just kidding, I'm sure he found a ride. But that was an example for me of just this really clear, instinctual, do not do this. And I didn't do it. And I'm sure it was the right decision. But what about when it comes to other big life decisions, like career decisions, family decisions, direction? Did you think you would just know what was right for you? Because I know I used to think that. And some people do. And I've even interviewed some of these people. Some people really just knew something felt right, especially career-wise. They just knew it deep down in their bones. But many times that's just not true. Lots of times there's not a big flashing light within us that says, go left or go right. Many times we just make decisions with the information we have at hand. And really, when it comes to decisions, there really aren't right decisions and wrong decisions. There are just decisions. I mean, if you think about it, it's all subjective, right? Like what could be a really great idea for me? Like say, getting a tattoo of Miss Piggy on my lower back. That could be a terrible idea for you. By the way, I don't actually have this tattoo, but the night is young. So check back after this episode is live. I feel like this next quote really drives this point home. 
It's a quote by this guy named Abdul Kalam, and he's talking to someone who asks about his success. What's the secret to success? Right decisions. How do you make right decisions? Experience. How do you get experience? Wrong decisions. You can see from the above quote that even wrong decisions have their place, right? They can give us experience to make right ones. And that takes away their rightness or wrongness altogether. Decisions just are. It's really just the thoughts and ideas we apply around them. And it's often really not completely clear which direction we should go, right? We just examine our options. We check in with ourselves and then we just start walking down a road. And sometimes that road or choice turns out to be great. And other times that road turns out to feel not so great, like my hitchhiker example. Another one of my favorite quotes, no matter how far you've gone down the wrong road, turn back. It's an old Turkish proverb. And what I like about this quote is not just that it reminds us that we're never stuck. We're really never stuck, not until we're dead. But what I really like about it is that it shows us it's totally okay to start just walking down a road. We can be on the wrong road. We can make a decision and then later decide, you know what, this isn't right. We can turn around. Maybe it'll be great, maybe it won't, but the key often is to just start walking, to take action, to say yes. Unless it involves letting a creepy hitchhiker into your car and then I'm gonna stop using this example, you guys, but don't do that. It's okay to be uncertain about your future and just start down a road kind of like our next guest. In this episode, I'm gonna share a great example of how sometimes there is no epiphany when it comes to the question of what should I do with my life? It is okay to be uncertain about your future and just start down a road. In this episode, I'm gonna share a great example of how sometimes there is no epiphany when it comes to the question of what should I do with my life? Sometimes it's a series of just saying yes to opportunities, to the people who offer you those opportunities. Having just enough interest or experience or willingness to just keep taking steps down a path. My next guest has a really cool job that she really loves. She works in TV. She's a part of this creative team at a local news station and her job involves interacting with the public and facilitating really neat events and she cultivates relationships with these really cool organizations. I mean, her job sometimes even involves driving to Disneyland, you guys. She gets to go to Disneyland after hours and film stuff. That's cool, right? But ultimately, what I really want you to hear in this interview is that she is able to bring her values and her heart to her work at a new station. So her job is really a part of the bigger purpose in her life. But she didn't start off thinking, I know exactly what I want to do. I am going to become the Community Partnerships and Events Manager at ABC News 10. That's her official title, by the way. Nope, she started off a creative kid. She got older, she got interested in theater and media. She figured out she liked editing and she was pretty good at it. And then she started saying yes. And then she kept saying yes. And then she got burnt out and she took a turn and then she took another turn. And you guys have to stay tuned, it's a good interview. We talk about a lot of neat stuff. We discuss how to be in flow, how to get over imposter syndrome. We talk about how all of us are cultivating career skills all the time, no matter what we're doing. We just have to realize what they are and really own them and market them. 
We talk about how to get over burnout, how motherhood changes perspective. And ultimately, you guys, we zoom to the end of Alana's life. We time travel. One of my favorite things. We get to go to the end when she's asking herself, what do I want my life to mean? What mattered? We talk about how she's integrating the values that matter to her right now, at work, at home, in life, all of it. I hope you guys enjoy my interview with Alana Blassingame. She's the community relations wizard at ABC News 10. She's a yogi. She's a mama. She's just an all-around creative example of how to do the next right thing. Oh, and this one starts a little abruptly because I was giggling a lot. I do not remember why at the beginning. So I just start us off (laughs) in my questions, but you guys don't really need to hear our pleasantries anyway, right? Here's the interview. Enjoy. I wanted to start with just a general question. Let's pretend that you're riding an elevator and someone turns to you. I know this is like the dreaded elevator pitch. Someone turns (laughs) to you and they're like, oh, hey, what do you do for work? What would you tell them? So I work at ABC 10, the local ABC affiliate here in Sacramento, and I work in the marketing department. So... I've had a lot of different roles there. I've been there for six years, but right now, currently my main role is managing the community partnerships and the events for the station. So the relationships with any outside organizations, the events that we do, the community initiatives. I think even if I didn't follow you on like Facebook and get to see some of the stuff that you did, I would be like, ooh, managing relationships. That sounds, (laughs) that sounds so social. So, um, so I would love to hear, you know, what does that actually look like? What does a day in your job actually look like? Oh, it so depends. So that's the beauty of it. It's very varied. I mean, obviously, you know, first and foremost, they're producing news, they're producing content, but, uh, there's also, you know, a huge, we like to be out in the community. That's the whole point. So the relationships with outside organizations are really important. We partner with nonprofits. We partner with, um, you know, we do different sort of initiatives of, uh, like, we'll do a big uh, toy drive. We'll do a big food drive. We'll do, you know, um, charitable events, like all kinds of different stuff. And then just getting out there as far as marketing and getting out there in front of different people that maybe don't watch us already. So a day could be you know, on in a meeting with somebody from Habitat for Humanity talking about like different things that we could do with them to help um, elevate their message, working out what that what that relationship would look like, or packing up and heading out to an event. And, you know, it's a small little team. So I'm also like the street team. I'm out there talking to the public and um, handing stuff out a lot of um, out in the community and talking to different people, whether that's stakeholders or clients or, or just the public, which is not also really interesting for me because I'm not super extroverted at all. And then somehow I'm in this role where every day I'm doing that. I have to be out in front of people. So it's been, um, it's been great to see that in myself grow, you know, like Mm -hmm. that is not, I started behind the camera. I started very much Um, on the production end of things where you're kind of um, isolated and insulated a little bit. And then Mm -hmm. now I'm just really out there in the community. So it's cool. Mm. Yeah. And you mentioned that you don't feel necessarily extroverted. And I'm wondering, 
So it sounds like this is a challenge that you've enjoyed rising to, becoming more comfortable in front of people and talking to people you don't know. But it also, I wonder, is it something you're really good at that you don't necessarily like? And maybe you've grown to like, because I'm really interested in that sort of overlap in ourselves too, that there can be these skills we have that we're not necessarily that interested in using, but I'm wondering if you're pretty good at talking to people and that's how you ended up where you're at, even if you weren't super stoked about it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think, I think it's possible, but I think it's one of those things where I was, I was definitely reserved and awkward and uncomfortable in my own skin for a long time and I think kind of being not forced into the role but sort of as I said these opportunities came up and um you know I followed one jumping off point to the next and it ended up here where this is a part of my job that I have to do every day and I do enjoy it like it's one of those things where if you would have told me that I would have enjoyed it at the beginning I would have been like that's not something I like at all but it's kind of one of those, I think we have sometimes, I think you're right, you know, sometimes it's just something we're good at, but I think we, uh, I think it was something that was in there, and now that it's out, no, that actually is one of the things I enjoy most, is is mm-hmm. talking to people all day long, so yeah. I wouldn't have known it at the beginning, but I'm glad it got pulled out of me. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like a bit of scaffolding, like you had this job that encouraged the skill and the skill rose to the challenge and then the job encouraged and this sort of Mm -hmm. dance but you said something I want to kind of go back to you said I was really uncomfortable in my skin for a really long time and I think a lot of people can relate to that I know I can and I'm also really interested in and I know that neither of us are you know none of us are finished products but we're all on this journey and at this point in yours you can turn back and say I was a lot more uncomfortable then and now you're not. So I want to hear about that. How did that, how did that change happen? And I know that might be a big question. Yeah, um, I can think of specific moments where I had to, where it was conscious, where I knew this is a moment when I have to step into this room and have this conversation with um, a client or with a, a you know whoever um and I it it intimidates me and I knew I had to just swallow that and get in there and kind of rise to it and I was you know this is a new experience and I have to just step in there so there are there are definitely a few of those where it was very conscious and there was you know I have my own kind of like ritual around that when I have something really intimidating coming up I have I will take some time I step away I breathe I like have some affirmations I tell myself you know this is this is what I need to do I'm okay like it's going to be okay at the end of this whatever it is um so there's definitely conscious moments like that I can think about one of them was when I very first took on one of the roles that I have um in my department and I had to go in there and talk to my my former boss and say, I can do this. This is what I want to do. Here's what I deserve. Those kind of conversations. Right. Um, Mm, which is not something I would, would have been good at, but, um, so I can think of moments like that throughout, but then the rest of it, I think is really, um, it's really incremental. It's just making the decision to just get in there and just continue to practice the skill 
and not letting that imposter syndrome stuff get mm. to your head, right? Like I, I actually can do this. I actually can have this conversation. I actually can get out there and do this thing. And nobody else thinks I'm as much of a fraud as I think that I am, you know? So. No, I so appreciate you sharing both the inner world and the practices you have around it. And, and I actually, that brings me to the question, do you still, we were sort of talking about your journey to the place you're at now. And I know that those things that scare you likely have changed as you've done your job longer and been thrown into different scenarios. Do you still have moments like that where you have to do your ritual where you have made yourself doubt? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I have one coming up this week. Actually, I have a big meeting with um, somebody coming up this week that I'm intimidated around. So there's like, you know, as those thoughts come up, even through the course of the weekend, I have to just remind myself that it's, you know, it's just another human. It's okay. Right. I know right before it's Tuesday morning, I know Tuesday morning, there's going to be a lot of that, a lot of breathing, you know, a lot of just like recentering. And I think the, the interesting thing about motherhood is that it started in pregnancy and definitely since I definitely give less fucks for mm. sure, right? There's just something about that perspective shift that's happened since becoming a mom. Yeah. And so some of those moments when I start to, that stuff starts to rise up in my throat and I start to get nervous or whatever it is or, or question what I'm doing, blah, blah, blah. Like the, the perspective of having this other little being that's so much more important than whatever the crazy shit in my head is about is really helpful. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It's just, it's a perspective shift and I'm sure it can happen with other things. That's just been what's successful for me, you know? And what a, what a blessing. I totally hear you there. I was noticing that as a coach, I work from home and I see clients and I always would get nervous before my sessions, wanting to do as good of a job as I could, wanting to be as much of, I guess you could say, an example, which is an intense pressure that I don't need to put on myself. But I would get all wrapped up. And really what I was wrapped up in was myself. And I know you kind of speak that language that when I'm all like in here and pointing at my brain, I'm not really uh, being my best self or being of service the way I can in the world. And I think that can apply to any of us, right? When we're in self, in self-doubt, in, and, and mine goes the other way too, the like grandiose, like I'm so great. Like that's, that's myself too. And something about motherhood does, it just inevitably often I'm like giving Tilly a bath right up until when my session starts. So I don't have time to get wrapped up in, gosh, I hope I do a good job. I hope I can listen as well as possible. I hope, I hope you just, you're thrown into the fire straight from, I don't want to say our kids are another fire, but kind of like the chaos of motherhood. So I love that. That is definitely a gift. And I'm always interested in the self-doubt just because, Alana, it was something that plagued me and, and still does often. And I think the more we can talk about how it showed up in our path and and maybe still in the present and that's only if that's actually true for you i'm not like everyone needs to be doubting of themselves <laughs> but but if you do feel that i think it's so helpful to be able to talk about it so what i'm going to have us do is i'm going to zoom back from present day alana your present day profession and and role as a mother and go back to you when you were young and i think it's kind of fun to zoom back to like 8 or 9 year old version of you when you were in elementary school 
and just picture that girl in your head and she's in class and the teacher is like okay we're gonna make poster boards about what you want to be when you grow up and what would that little girl have said do you remember so the dream the dream at eight or nine would have been something to do with the stage for sure so I was like a theater geek a dance geek all that kind of stuff and then um I also was always really interested even at a really young age of like the behind the scenes so I wanted to I had this idea about like being a stage manager or a director or something like that kind of like pulling the strings behind because I was still a little bit nervous about actually being on the stage yeah. even at a young age yeah how did that manifest when you were young did you like direct your friends in plays or did you oh, volunteer yeah. Absolutely. We would do all of that. Um, we had dance troops. We had, I mean, you know, we were like, yeah, we had choreographed dances for everything. We were always creating, you know, puppet shows and theater productions. And oh, yeah, that was that was the favorite way to spend the time for sure. <laughs> yeah. And it, I mean, the memory comes so easily because I remember similarly, not in the same sense of wanting that but as kids we are just so inherently creative and it's so easy to be like I'm gonna produce a commercial today in a cardboard box with my cat like you know things just come so simply and I'm actually talking to someone who stayed in the creative world so I I love that there's a quote by Ursula I never say her name right it's called the creative adult is the child who survived and it's really cool when, when that's still present and manifested in your present day. But so as a kid, you were into the stage, into the behind the scenes, and you did sort of touch on this. As you got older, it sounds like when you went to college and it was time to choose a major, because that can be pretty overwhelming. I think it's interesting that we ask kids at 18 to, to choose an area of focus that they're at least told can determine the rest of their life. Even though everyone's like, oh, you know, just, just choose something. There is this pressure to have a clear idea of, well, this is going to dictate direction. Yep. So so how did you choose theater? Well, I think, so I was lucky in the school that I went to where I say I chose, I say I was a theater major, but to be fair, I went to the Evergreen State College in Olympia, Washington, and you actually don't have a major, but you do have an area that you can choose a concentration but you can change that as often as you want over the course of your it's a very liberating school if you're somebody that has a lot of different interests and wants to figure it out so mm. that is a good thing yeah um but I do hear you I think it is crazy because I think even if if I knowing now who I am now and who I would end up being I would have made different decisions even though I you know I'm happy where I'm at, where I'm at as far as you know the career and you know staying sort of in a general field that I started um I probably would do it differently that's a different conversation but so mm -hmm. yeah but I um I went to Evergreen and I started in theater it's <laughs> it's tough because of the school that I went to to answer that question because it was um it was so like it was so... Um, Sounds kind of hippie. I like it. Yeah, no grades. No, no, um, it was just... <laughs> Did you guys play outside in your bare feet? <laughs> no, but there was definitely, um, like, the, the drum circle, Pot Smoke and Hill that you could just, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. So I wasn't too far off. <laughs> 
You know, I think it's interesting. You did go to, from what I know, to be a non-traditional school, which I think is really neat and just good to know is is an option because I forget that since that wasn't my path. So it's yeah. out there. And maybe let me ask you, how did college, your college experience, inform where you're at now? Because it did somehow. Maybe it wasn't in choosing a direction. Maybe yeah. it wasn't even exactly what you would do now, but how do you think it did kind of shape you? Well, I do think, so I started in theater, and I, and I because of the way that the college was structured, you did interdisciplinary programs instead of taking theater class and then your English class and whatever, you took programs that were all 16 credits at once, and you kind of, um, it was interdisciplinary. So part of it was I started in a program that had a theater component but also had a, a media studies component so there was some some film stuff and I got interested in that so it sort of like guided me in that direction and that's how I started um, the production aspect so in college we you kind of had the choice of you know pursuing something in that program pursuing something that was a theater production or or a film and we ended up doing a film and I ended up learning how to edit and kind of just fell in love with the craft of it a little bit I loved it and at that point I don't know that it was oh this is it this is what I want to do it was a possibility but it was definitely a skill that I had that I then used I ended up getting a job at the state editing for them and then you know kind of like it, that's where it's just the skill that has then led me to other things so mm, yeah and I think once again that's an important point to shine a light on it was a skill that you happen to enjoy just enough to put a little bit more effort into and the effort refined your expertise and the expertise opened up doors and the doors led you and always correct me if I'm wrong, but just what I'm hearing is it wasn't this big light bulb of, ah, I want to edit. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that I used to think, oh, it's going to feel like that. It's definitely going to feel like this is the right path. Now I'm of the thought there are many right paths and we just start walking down one and, mm -hmm. and see where it leads. So I love to kind of shine lights on that. So you got a little older, you went to school, ended up really liking the behind the scenes part, found your first job, and I'd love to hear a little bit about the, uh, the road from there. You kind of touched on it, but it sounds like you worked in the state, and then one thing kind of led to another. Yeah, so I think I was still in school when I got the job at the state but they were looking for an editor, so I went over there. This is in Washington State, so I worked for the Senate up there and ended up having a really great boss that helped me kind of hone the skills a little bit, which is always good. I'm all for mentors. They are, we need more of them. <laughs> we need more good ones out there. Yeah. But he was great. Then I think I was there for a couple of years um, as I finished my degree and then a little bit afterward. And then um, I ended up moving. I ended up moving to Sacramento for personal reasons. I needed to get out of where I was at. Essentially, I did a geographic, mm. and um, <laughs> and ended up in Sacramento. And at that point, I was 
I was actually feeling a little bit burnt out like one of those moments where like is this really what I want to do maybe it's not right for me I don't even know I don't know I've had a lot of those moments where you know you kind of question especially in the struggle like I was in the moment of the struggle I, I needed to find a new job I was finding it difficult to find a new job and I got caught in that kind of like headspace of like this maybe this is just all wrong in general because it's difficult right now Mm. So I ended up taking a little bit of time away. I started working um, at a catering company because the other thing that I had always done was working in kitchens. That's how I got myself through school was um, cooking. So I, I did that for a little bit, but I think I did that for two years and missed the missed what I had before, was kind of ready to give it one last try. I want to stop you right there. I think that's really interesting. I I worked in restaurants for a long time, but I never worked in the kitchen. And that's mm-hmm. a really male-dominated area. Mm-hmm. And I only bring it up because it always seemed kind of fun, but also like kind of crazy and intimidating. And I'd love to hear your experience there because I think that might have informed your resilience <laughs> in other areas. So what was that like? Um, I think it's similar. I think it's I think it's similar to... The, the things that appeal to me about it are similar to the things that appeal to me about video production because it's you're behind the scenes. It's very, it's difficult work. Um, it's, it's kind of physical. It's like challenging in a different way. And it's, I mean, if you've worked in restaurants at all, you know, it's, there's like a very strong culture around it mm-hmm. that I kind of loved. And it's, it's sort of like this, you really, I don't know you do it's difficult and it's kind of like you're down you feel like you're really like working you're down in it I don't know how to explain that any better but I always thought it felt like we were and I know this is not my analogy but like after a huge rush or a crazy you know holiday it's like we were all survivors from a shipwreck (laughs) and we knew how it felt so Yeah, I, and I also remember, at least, you know, in my experience in the um, front of the house, as they call it, there's like the back of the house and the front of the house in restaurants. I remember I was doing it while I was in school and I was learning about, I don't know how much you know about the term flow, but I'm sure you just intuitively probably know what it means. This idea of being in this sweet spot of you're challenged, but you're also really good at what you're doing. And there's enough anxiety to keep you energetic, but not so much that you feel overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. And you're just totally present and you are in it and suddenly it's three o'clock and you're off and you're like, whoa, where did the day go? And I remember not wanting to work in restaurants forever, but realizing, wow, I totally feel this as a server. I love this feeling. And, And I'm kind of hearing that from you. And another important aspect is that there's things about working in the kitchen that have totally transferred slash overlapped with what you currently do. So it's not like they're completely different parts of your life that didn't inform one another. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. I honestly think, I honestly think that the the skills or the headspace or whatever it is that I learned doing that is more valuable. Mm-hmm. I think you can learn this the sort of skill set, the technical skill set for a lot of things really easily. But sometimes those like the mental challenges of whatever it is or that kind of resiliency or like the 
stepping into like a professional career, quote unquote, that doesn't always prepare you for some of that stuff and those other things. Like I, I still will put, you know, my, my catering event experience on my resume. Cause I honestly, or we'll talk about it in an interview. Cause I honestly think that it is more valuable in a lot of ways because mm. of the things that it, it taught me. Um, yeah. yeah, absolutely. No, I love that we're talking about this. I just definitely think it's a it's an important point to realize whatever it is you're doing. And actually, because we're both moms, I think we can also look at, you know, your last 10 months, my last six months of, as parents of babies and see that you completely cultivate these skills that you wouldn't have foreseen. And it's easy to think. I know I know of some stay at home moms that when they think about going to work are like, oh, my gosh, I don't know where to work which that's a valid question, but I don't know what I have to offer. I haven't quote unquote worked in, you know, six years. And it's like, oh no, this thing that you've been doing, you have learned how to multitask. You have learned how to work under intense pressure. And I feel like I'm also talking about the restaurant. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know, there's so many, depending on the child, it's like these, these are completely valid things that we can then pivot and, and use other places. So I'm really glad that you, bring up that you'll still talk about your restaurant or catering experience in in current endeavors I think that that's really important mm-hmm. well and I mean I know it's tough right I there should be more opportunities for moms and for women to you know that is absolutely valid experience yeah so and I know it can be challenging because it feels like oh I can't talk about this other thing because it's not directly applicable right it's not it's not the exact skill set that they're asking me about in this interview or whatever it is and that's not really fair I wish it was more fair um but it's also all about marketing right if you can Mm. if you can really talk about that skill set you have in the right way you know there's yeah, it's all about how you can spin it, learned, yeah. right? Yeah, like learning what that thing is about yourself and and owning it and talking about it. Yeah, I talk about that, the 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 events and the multitasking and the and the amount of um, yeah, just the the speed at which you have to work and all of these things. Or think yeah. about the when stuff would go wrong. Like when stuff would go wrong, people get really upset about food. And then they get really upset about the people who make the food <laughs> and, <Yeah. laughs> and these like, um, and, and similarly with children, it's like you learn how to put out fires. And I think that that idea that you just mentioned, it's not just that we have the skill set, but that we own it and learn how to market it because that it, it's a real disconnect. And I had it, which is why it's something I like to work with people on now. It's one thing to think, yeah, I guess I have experience doing X, Y, and Z. But it's a completely different thing to really embody that and know that is valuable. I know I offer something, even though it's from this completely different arena. But yeah, I definitely see how that could be kind of a marketing thing for sure. So Alana, you had just talked about, you just talked about how you took a little break. You felt a little burnout. Bring us back to your story. How did you decide, you know what, I do still want to work in production. How did you come back to that? Um, I was kind of floating around a little bit. I had, I knew that I wanted to get away from what I was doing. I do love it, but honestly, the physical side of it was starting to get to me, the catering stuff. So I knew that I needed to move in a different direction. I knew somebody that knew somebody that worked at then uh, News 10. 
And I thought, well, what the hell, I'll just apply for, they had an, a really entry-level position that was, I was at that point very much overqualified for, but I was kind of like, well, let's do something and see if I'm still interested. It was kind of appealing. It was um, back to, it was working as a PA for the news shows, so back to kind of behind the scenes stuff. I don't know, it's kind of one of those, I don't actually remember like thinking, I, it definitely wasn't long-term, I did never thought that I would be there as long as I've been there, but I was just kind of ready for a change and that was kind of what was presented to me at the time. Somebody had a connection and it wasn't like I was thinking, oh, this is where I wanna go and I'm gonna pursue it, but somebody that I knew said, oh, this is something that's open and it was interesting and I followed it and then was kind of willing to trust that if I was supposed to be there, it would it would continue, and mm-hmm. it did. So I was in that entry level job for uh, maybe maybe nine months, and a position opened up, which was kind of my idea. Oh, if something if I'm meant to be here, something will open up that's actually right for me, mm-hmm. and it did. The position in the creative department opened up after about nine months, and I moved over there and um, was back to doing editing and kind of that set me on that path that I am now because I've been within the creative department since then so the last five years or so it was exciting to be be around especially to be back to a skill that I knew that I had um, but be around a bunch of people that their skill set was so much higher than mine Mm. so I was back to that mentorship I was around a bunch of people that could teach me a lot of things and it was really exciting to be back in that and I think that was maybe why I had experienced some burnout before was I had kind of reached this point where where I was, I wasn't, and it felt like I was being challenged or learning anything new. Yeah. And um, I don't know that that was conscious, but I know with some, you know, the advantage of hindsight, I know that that's kind of what it was. And so then when I jumped into the department, at ABC 10, I was around all these really amazing, super creative people that had skill sets far beyond mine, and it was super exciting because I got to be involved in these projects that were, you know, really fun, and I was being challenged, and I was being asked, I was being asked to do things that were far beyond my skill set, so I had to really reach and all that kind of stuff, so it was, it was exciting. I think that is a really important point in your story, and here's why. I think that, you know, for one, in the interviews that I've done so far, I have heard mentorship, which I didn't expect this, but it has been hugely foundational that you had someone or a few someones as kind of a beacon. So it's great to be around people who are challenging us and showing us what's possible. But something that you did, Alana, that's important is that you allowed yourself to be a beginner or be not as good as the people who you were working with and and not just turn away and say, oh, I guess I shouldn't do this because they're all so much better but instead allow that to push you and grow you. So I would love if you talked a little bit more about that time. The team that I was with was um, just really, really, really genuinely loved and excited about the things that they were doing, really genuinely loved the process, really genuinely loved the art, and were really excited to share it. And it wasn't, there wasn't a lot of ego, there wasn't a lot of, um, you know, sometimes I'm sure that those fields can get very 
very ego heavy where people are like, I want to be, yeah, just really macho or I'm, you know, I have to be better and you are less than and all this stuff. And I was lucky enough to be around a bunch of people that did not do that. And were just really, you know, if I would ask a question, they were really happy to, to nerd out and show me all the things that I, you know, (laughs) instead of like, Oh, you don't know that that's so ridiculous, you know? Mm, So, yeah. um, I was really lucky in that way. I definitely had some moments where I felt that, like, oh my god, I'm, I'm, I'm really out of my depth or whatever. And I had some projects that were thrown at me that I remember just, like, so I had been in the job for maybe all of, oh god, maybe a month. And they, we had a big project. We, they wanted to send a shooter down to Disneyland to do a big behind the scenes shoot mm. overnight. And everybody else was. I couldn't go so they were like send Alana <laughs> for a month I've shot maybe a total of five minutes I mean I'm not even exaggerating with these cameras and I just had to I had like they wanted to send me the next day I had like 24 hours to prepare so I'm trying to do all the research practice as much as I can with these cameras learn what I can I have to shoot at night which is really difficult especially with the type of camera I was shooting on um and all this stuff and I just had to kind of be like all right here we go what the fuck I'm going. <laughs> oh my gosh so how did it go it went pretty well there was definitely a couple of hiccups but everything got shot um Disney and Disney is very very picky about what gets shot and how it gets shot they're very you know they're they have very tight control of their image for sure mm. so it was there was a lot of pressure as far as that goes too but you couldn't like film peter pan smoking behind the ride or anything <laughs> exactly nobody if you saw anybody out of their costume you had to turn away <laughs> you didn't um, see that yeah yeah thanks for sharing that that t- sounds really cool and also i can totally see how it'd be really scary and imagining 24 hours of just like Ah! <laughs> but you made it you made it through and yeah. I want to zoom to present day and you know I can kind of guess just from our conversation so far but what are some of your favorite things about what you do what do you love about it I mean honestly number one is I still my team I love the people that I work with I think it's it's changed because of what I do I'm the only person that that does what I do at the station so it's not that same relationship where I'm necessarily challenged by the by them but it is at this point it's it's family and we hold each other to a certain standard we support each other at the end of the day so I I love my team I think it's what's kept me through tough times and I think we've done a lot to really like foster that relationship and that situation so that's important. Um, but as far as the work itself, I do love actually dealing with the public and it's always a little bit weird. <laughs> There's always some weird interactions oh, that I happen, but imagine. at the end of the day, it is really nice to have just these sort of genuine interactions with people. So a big part of my job is managing relationships. Right. So at this point, a lot of what I get to do is think about how to like create, create better relationships. So whether that's um, with other organizations or with 
like kind of the community how do we get out into the community how do we establish trust how do we um kind of these ideas that for me especially as I've gotten older are sort of like bigger concepts that I want to live my life in a way in general right authenticity and trust and um, all these kind of things and you wouldn't necessarily think of that as something that the TV station would do but I I, I believe that it's something that we're going to have to do if we're going to stay relevant because nobody cares about TV news in the way that they used to it's just people crave something different these days I think we watch YouTube videos we see people much closer we have social media we um, some of those barriers between like celebrity quote unquote celebrity or whatever um, are down mm-hmm. and so people don't like that wall to be up and so it's all about creating the closer connection I think Mm. so that's part of what my job is now is kind of figuring out how to do that in a way that's real and I do my best to kind of stick to those values um, as opposed to just like being really jaded about it I guess yeah yeah no I really appreciate the kind of journey you just took us on because there's the the actual aspects of what you do there's the state of sort of your industry. And you're right, we are in a really interesting and maybe it's always like this in the present day, but a weird time when it comes to media. And what I was kind of hearing is you zooming out from your day to day, zooming out from your weeks and months and and what do you want to do in a larger way, which is sort of the dance I think a lot of us do when we think about what should I do with my life is like, what kind of impact do I wanna leave? For me, it's easy to zoom forward and say, okay, when I look back without completely overwhelming myself and paralyzing myself in this like confusion, but when I look back at the end of my life, what will I want to have done? And what I'm hearing from you is you want to bring people something of real value, uh, really connect with people in a, I guess, a human, displaying their humanity kind of way. And is there anything you want to add to that? Maybe we can zoom to the end of Alana's life to be very morbid, which I love to do. And mm-hmm. and people are able to look at your life. You're able to look at your life and say, you know what? I did this. What is what is this? What do you want that to be? Hmm. Ah, that's such an interesting question because, yeah, I definitely, especially with motherhood and all this stuff, right, you sort of think about what is my what's my priority what are my real true values what do I yeah what you want your legacy to be or whatever it is and I think I think ultimately what I crave most in life what my job is about what I try to cultivate the most sometimes what I struggle with the most is creating community and connection at the end of the day like that is what I want and I am lucky enough that I can I can um, really see how that connects to what I do for for a living, right? That does connect directly to my career, and I can bring that value more into what I'm doing. But that's absolutely taking it away from just how I get paid. Um, that is what I want in all areas of my life. That's kind of like what my personal journey looks like too. It's like that's the thing that I want to cultivate most of my life is community. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to double us back a little bit because I think there's a big part of your story that I know I'm really interested in and I think other people will be too if you're willing to talk about it. And that is 
I believe you are professionally successful and you're a new mother. And somewhere along the line, you decided to be both. And I think that that choice is a really big one. And I know that for myself, it was really easy to imagine. I'm, I'm also like very catastrophic in my thinking. Like if this happens, then this will happen. But it was a, it was a big choice to decide, okay, I'm going to have a kid because it affects everything. And so as someone that also kind of wrestled with that decision, I would love to hear, you know, a year and a half ago before, actually, I guess you were pregnant already a year and a half ago, but let's, let's go to two years ago. What was going on for you? How did you decide to make this change and how, how is being a mom and a professionally successful woman? Well, I don't know that I could say that I, I knew, always knew that I wanted kids, but it was definitely a strong possibility. You know, I'm, I met my husband, what, five years ago, and, you know, we talked about it, and we're both in a similar trajectory as far as, you know, we both had some really big things happen in our lives right around seven years ago where we both had to, like, really do a hard restart. And so we kind of, we started life a little bit later maybe than some other people. So we kind of were at this point where like, you know, we do want to have kids. We don't want to wait too long, but we want to make the decision at the right time. And what was happening for him at that point was he kind of wrapped up some things. He's a contractor and he kind of wrapped up some jobs. We were at a decent place financially. And then I, like I said, I had this great team at work and I felt really had a great boss that is very it was he left but he was very very supportive of family and Mm. I think that for me was a huge factor in kind of starting my family at that point because I knew that I would be supported because I think that's a big fear right as a as a mom who is also, you know, I didn't want to come back from having a baby and feel like I'd been penalized and I was going to be all these things. And I felt, I knew that that was not going to be the case with him. So I, it just seemed like the right time. We, you know, there was a, a number of factors that all kind of aligned. And so we decided to get pregnant and I did. And then my boss gave his notice <laughs> and said he was leaving. Mm. And I was seven weeks pregnant. So, but yeah, so he left and I got a new boss and he was, he's my, my current boss. He's, he is not, I'm not going to say he's as family focused or as good as my other boss would be, but he is still supportive and it's been helpful like in that way. But yeah, yeah it's tough. It was tough. He left. I was so pissed. <laughs> oh, I imagine because you had just made this huge decision accidentally, depending on him. Yeah. You're like, you're basically a part of this family I'm starting. <laughs> so lesson is it needs to be dependent on more than just your bosses at the time. <laughs> you know, it, I think you're right. And what I also hear is that we can make these plans. And I guess I do zoom out a lot and think life is set up in a way that is arranging things for us. And you know what? Maybe you wouldn't have decided to have Bowen right then. I'm going to put words in your mouth and guess that you're still really glad it happened exactly how it did. Yes, absolutely. It worked out. It did work out. 
And yeah. if you if you could, just because this is a, a point I'm really interested in, how do you juggle, how do you live as both a professional working mother and a mother? So, so I've always been the kind of person that I have a very strong work ethic. It's gotten me where I am, where, and by that I mean, if I say that I'm going to do something, it gets done, no matter what. Um, it's like compulsive, actually. I can't leave something undone. If I if I give my word, that's what's going to happen. Mm. And if I have a project, it's, it needs to be finished. And I think that's what has gotten me kind of where I'm at, is just at the very least, like, that needs to happen. I want to be reliable, mm. right? So um, what that used to look like is staying late, working weekends, right? Like really pushing a lot of those kind of time boundaries when you can and there's nobody, at, there's not a little baby at home. I think that's one thing that I've had to shift and it's been a tough shift is I leave at 5.30 every day, almost every day without like absolutely I'm not staying after that point, right? I'm getting home to my baby so I can spend some time with him before he goes to bed. I've kind of had to put some really firm boundaries for myself more than for anybody else. I don't have the kind of job at this point where I'm clocking in and out, right? So I'm the one in charge of my own schedule. So I will stay until eight o'clock at night or whatever it is. Mm. Uh, and I, I, I can't, right? But so setting some really like strong boundaries for myself and like being okay with that and being okay with not doing everything, not doing everything myself, right? Like delegating um, mm. when I need to, or asking for help more when I need to, or, you know, letting things be the way that they are based on, you know, this is the amount of time, this is the amount of resources that I have, and I'm going to do the absolute best that I can within that. And then outside of that, I'm a mom and I'm going home and I'm going to let it go. Mm. That's tough. Cause I want to be like, I am absolutely the type that wants to be like the gold star student for everything. <laughs> So to, to know that I could do something better, just given a little bit more time or whatever it is, like, ooh, that's hard to let go of, you know? Yeah. But um, just being able to, like, have him be the priority when it needs to be. And I work my ass off when I'm at work, right? I do. I don't um, – that's the balance, right? I'm there, and I don't, like, I don't screw around as much as I – you know, or whatever it is. Like, I'm really absolutely <laughs> – I think I'm there. Yeah. And then I am done, and I go home. Yeah. And, um, you know, man, it's tough. It's really tough, but it is, it's super rewarding too, because I feel really lucky that I get to go and like, so I was on maternity leave for 12 weeks and I, the week before I had to go back, I was like, Oh my God, how am I ever going to do this? This is insane. You cannot take this baby away from me all that, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to just lose my mind. But the, and then I went back to work and after a couple of days, like I realized that it was actually, there is something really nice about going and getting to use that other part of my brain for part of the day. And, um, and it is, it gives me something that I do really still love. Mm -hmm. So it's something I didn't necessarily know about myself, but like that really feeds me going and being challenged and using my brain in these other ways to solve these problems at work and then going home and being a mom and spending that time in that way. So I think the person that's gotten the shortest end of the stick, honestly, is my poor husband, but. <laughs> uh, 
I hear you. <laughs> I think we all do. Yeah. I know. I mean, we're 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 good, but it's it's tough, right? It's a tough balance. But yeah, I think that's. I think those like setting strong boundaries and working really hard where I can, and then like letting go of what I can't do mm. is kind of key for me of, of finding that balance. So. Yeah. And actually going to go pump when I say I'm going to go pump because that is tough too. I think that time out of my day or whatever. Oh yeah. It's something that before you're um, breastfeeding a mother, even with friends that did it, I was like, Oh, okay. This is like part of being a mom. La la la. Like it just seems like such a minute aspect of motherhood. And I see you shaking your head (laughs) because it really is this complete, almost like part of your brain that's always working like how long has it been how many ounces did I get or if you're home like did she really feed and I remember actually Alana a post of yours I think you were at work and you had a journal that said something like anything you can do I can do breastfeeding or something like that (laughs) and I was like I was actually pumping last night I was preparing for this interview and I was thinking about that because it's it's just a lot and and just like there's challenges to motherhood that you can't foresee before you actually are in the shoes of being a mom. What you're describing, that sort of ability to let things go, that ability to stop screwing around. Like the things that used to take me three hours, now they take me usually an hour because it's like I'm taking time away from my baby. No, I think just what you said, I think it is. You get incredibly efficient as a mom. Right. What yeah. used to take you, I can do amazing things in 20 minutes. Now. <laughs> because you're a mom and because I'm taking you away from your precious family on the weekend, I do want to wrap this up. And before I do, I want to ask you a question that kind of, I think, circles back. There's so many things I wanted to ask you that we didn't get to. So I'm just going to have to do another series on different aspects of people's journey. But if you were to answer your phone, And at the other end is you at your most confused or most vulnerable point in your career. And this version of you now could give her some words of advice or just encouragement to keep going or just maybe it's not even that, you know, positive. What would you say to her? Honestly, probably to just stop taking myself so damn seriously and just speak up just be willing to just have the conversation, ask for the thing. I think I was very, I was uncomfortable in my own skin. I was afraid of my own shadow. I was very much lived really small. And I think I would just say to like, let go of that shit. Just absolutely just go for it. Whatever it is, nobody cares as much about you as you do, right? Mm -hmm. Like nobody is judging you as much as you think that they are. Live a little bit bigger. Mm. And now that is exactly what you're doing. So thank you so much again for your time. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you for, for the good conversation. If you liked what you heard today, please pass this podcast along to someone you know who would benefit. It would also be awesome if you would subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It's how we attract new guests, reach more people, and ultimately change the world. I mean, imagine what kind of world we'd live in if everyone was doing something they actually wanted to do with their life. Speaking of which, if you want help finding purpose or figuring out what the heck to do with your life, 
hit me up. It's what I do as a coach. Introduce you to your highest, clearest, and most badass brave self. I promise that's the version of you the world most needs. If you're interested in coaching, would like to join my email list, or if you know someone who'd be a great guest on this podcast, shoot me an email at followyourfire at gmail.com. That's followyourfire at gmail.com. Until next time, follow those fires, my peaches. Thank you.